Hello, and welcome back to Commodity Conversations by the team at Mercado, the podcast where we keep you up to date with the latest trends, drivers, and moves in livestock, grain, and oilseed and fiber markets. My name's Olivia Agar. Thanks for listening into episode 239. Now, we're a couple of months into the winter cropping season, and the summer crop harvest is just about wrapped up. So for this week's episode, we're calling into the regions to find out how the season's progressing and how the crops are looking around the country. And to do that today, we're calling in on the Nutrient Ag Solutions team with Greg Toomey, branch manager at Elmore in Victoria, Nick Brennan, agronomy account manager at WeWar in New South Wales, and Tom Shaw, farm services support agronomist in WA. So today's episode is pretty tightly packed in, so I'll just quickly cover off on the major market news this week. And the big release was Meat and Livestock Australia's sheep projections, which reports that the Australian sheep flock and its breeding new numbers reached their highest level since 2007 this year. And land production's forecast to be the highest at least since 2000, which is where our records start. So that means a big lamb drop this season, with sheep supply unlikely to dry up quickly either. The other big move in the market this week was the Australian dollar, which has been sitting in that 66 to 67 US cents range, but this week it rallied to just under 69 US cents due to a weakening US dollar. So whether that settles at this new level would be one to keep an eye on, as we know it affects our export competitiveness and our import prices. Alrighty, we'll leave it there today and let's get into the episode. Well, we're starting out down south today and heading to Elmore in Northern Country, Victoria, and have the pleasure of being joined by Greg Toomey, who's branch manager and agronomist of Nutrient Elmore. So welcome, Greg. Thanks, Olivia. Great. Well, let's just start out, Greg. Can you tell us a bit about your region, what sort of cropping is done there and what's the country like? Yeah, so Elmore is sort of halfway between Echuca on the Murray and Bendigo. Um, so it's sort of a uh, 450 mil rainfall zone. It's probably you know, gravitated more towards cropping over the last 20 years from maybe being a 60 cropping, 40 grazing to maybe 75 cropping, 25% grazing district. Um, it's quite a big area for export oat and hay production. We're about a roughly 450 mil rainfall zone on average. Top of our range up towards Rochester is maybe 430 and our cold Way might be 470. So it's generally been a fairly reliable growing area and I guess having oat and hay in the rotation um, and being able to cut hay in poorer or frosty years has sort of allowed the district to be reasonably reliable. Yeah, that's that's really great. You got that sort of um, that buffer as well, and, and reliability in there. So let's talk about this season, though, Greg. And how did it start out for you um, with with planting? How to how to kick off this year? Funny season, really, Olivia. We had uh, the bureau's outlook, or the, the predictions were for maybe a coming El Nino. So there was a bit of a negative feel. And I think that in general, growers were very tired after an extremely wet spring and then a protracted harvest, which took them well into at least mid, if not late January, well beyond uh, normal. And a lot of flooding uh, in areas last spring, which uh, a lot of people got involved in the cleanup and helping of friends and neighbours and relatives. You know, I guess we uh, 
heard the outlook from the Bureau and had a bit of a negative mindset for the year. And then it uh, rained substantially in late March and early April. So we were presented with our fourth early break in a row, surprisingly. That lifted everybody's mood and uh, cropping got underway at, at quite a pace. We had a lot of uh, slugs poking up and about as we were sowing canola. Um, the early and wet autumns have certainly uh, created slug issues more than we've seen before. We then had about five weeks of quite dry weather. So the slugs seemed to lose a bit of interest. And then in late May, we had an extraordinary period now, right for the last sort of six weeks, we've probably had 150 mils and ended up with one of our wettest dunes on record. The slugs came back, unwelcome return. And uh, so we've had it actually quite wet and, and certainly crops that looked extremely good uh, three or four weeks ago in our low-lying areas to start to look quite water-stressed and uh, some canola's gone a bit purple and stuff. Um, but overall, I guess we're in a much, much better position than we expected to be at this time of year. Yeah, I think everyone was expecting the worst from this season and just the last month has, you know, really turned things around and, as you said, you know, wettest June on record. So, yeah, it's a, a huge difference from what was expecting. And that's a, a great update on what's happening in, in your area, Greg. But have you got much of a, a feel for how the rest of Victoria is looking? Well, I do talk to plenty of other fellas and certainly um, I just come back from uh, Donald on the weekend and uh, between Sonata and Donald was actually quite wet and crops over there are uh, looking pretty good and the profile certainly full there. Certainly the, the Wimmer and Mallee is on the wetter side too. Um, the Western District is quite wet, um, probably characteristically that's often the case. Um, and uh, further uh, east of Elmore over towards Shepparton and Dookie, it's also quite wet. And there's no doubt that uh, there are areas that have tipped over to too wet and loss of crops in, in some of the wettest parts in sort of east of us in the cropping areas um, east of Shepparton. Overall, I think that um, most fellas are probably surprised by how wet things are uh, given the seasonal outlook that we've had and are still presented with. And what would that um, those conditions, so the really, you know, wet winter followed by a dry spring mean for, for the rest of the outlook? Well, if you are a hay grower, like many of my growers, you have all bases covered. Um, with El Ninos come clearer skies and I guess greater frost risk. Well, that can still be cut for hay if you've got decent biomass there. Um particularly hot and dry late September or early October can, you know, knock around uh, crops that have sufficient moisture underneath, but um, you sort of get terminal heat and they just head for home quickly. That can affect yields. But I think the moisture is there to grow, you know, an average to above average crop with um, half reasonable conditions. It doesn't need to be wet from now on, but just not really severely dry or severely hot or frosty, but uh, the hay, experienced hay growers do have more bases covered than someone that is 
absolutely committed to harvesting every grain regardless. So I guess that they're the risks we face, Olivia, is that uh, a drying spring will mean it's harder to get nitrogen on and get it washed in. Um, and that, I guess, on the other side, there may be less fungicides needed if um, conditions aren't so conducive to disease buildup. Well, we'll definitely be hoping for another wrong bomb forecast in the months ahead. But thank you so much for sharing how things are looking around your region, Greg. We really appreciate your time and the insights you shared today. Now we're going to head up north to Nick Brennan, Agronomy Account Manager at Wheat War. Nick, great to speak with you today and welcome to the podcast. Thank you. No, it's great. Um, great to be involved. Looking forward to it. For those that might not have spent much time around the sort of New England area, tell us a bit to start with, what, what's the country like and what are the main sort of cropping systems around there? Uh, so we're, I'm based out of Weewool, northwest New South Wales. So we sort of head, um, our serviced area basically extends 200 k's to the west, um, 100 k's south and 100 k's north. Um, predominantly black vertisol, broadacre farming, um, with a focus on winter crops when we get the rainfall to allow for it. Um, <clears throat> a big wheat, wheat chickpea, faba bean, canola growing area. Um, but then our focus certainly in our region is um, irrigated cotton as a summer crop and um, a bit of sorghum and corn as well. Beautiful. Well, we'll try to get a bit of an update on, on all of those, Nick, but we've been hearing two pretty different scenarios around New South Wales playing out with the southern part, you know, really starting out having great soil moisture and being pretty well set up for a reasonable winter cropping season, but a bit of a different story in the north. Is that what you're sort of seeing and, and hearing around? Yeah, certainly. We, we um, off the back of last year's summer, we had a lot of flood activity in our region um, so would have considered a lot of our soil profile to be full or near full um, in the early January February period um, but we just really didn't have a any sort of measurable in crop rainfall uh, in, in fallow rainfall sorry for the um, March to April period and lost a, about a foot of moisture in the topsoil which yeah just didn't allow us to get a great deal of any early wheat Faber beans, canola in the ground that we were hoping for. So, so not much of the winter crop sort of went in at all. Is that what you? Yeah, in the all all our sort of early early variety wheats, um, faber beans, canola. It um, the areas that we would have liked to get. There's probably only ten percent, maybe fifteen percent planted. Um, there was a bit of a later change in late May into June, where a few people decided to get a bit of crop in the ground, but it's been very cold and, and slow um, growing conditions since. So, yeah, there's not a great prospect for winter crop this year in our region. And did that big, you know, wet sort of rain front come through your, your area or did it miss out? No, yeah, we, in the last probably month or so, we've had around 40, 50 mil in our region, but it's it's been very patchy. Um, only... 80 k's west of us in the Burren Junction Rowena region, they've missed out on a lot of the in crop and um, sowing rainfall. So it's uh, yeah, it's looking quite ordinary in, in the areas where you predominantly have our larger broadacre farms with um, thousands of hectares a week. There's yeah, very little prospect for this winter. 
And what about on the disease and pest front? What are you sort of expecting this season? Well, we we had our dramas with the mice plague um, two years ago, and we are starting to see small little pockets of mice appearing um, to the west and south of us. But yeah, realistically, pest wise, we're only just starting to see broadleaf weeds emerge, grass weeds emerge, because we've finally had the temperature and a bit of moisture to allow that. Um, Disease-wise, we had a lot of fusarium head blight in our cereal crops last year due to such a wet finish. Um, so whether farmers have retained that seed for this season, um, a lot had seed treated, but, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the season progresses if we do get a dry finish potential for crown rot and fusarium head blight to really show on the cereal crops, yeah. Yeah, well, hopefully it does turn around a bit for, for the winter crop. But, mm. uh, let's jump to the summer crop, and I know you've probably just finished around picking now for, for the cotton. How, how did that season go? Yeah, it was a great, great season for our cotton irrigated and dry land crops. Um, we, we've probably only got 5% of the valley yet to pick, which is predominantly later planted cotton crops, which, yeah, They've, they've just taken a long time to defoliate, drop the leaf off once it's um, once it's got cold. So it, um, but yeah, it was a fantastic season. Very cold, wet, um, slow start to the growing growing cycle of the cotton. In our October November, we had several floods come through our regions, which made everything a lot slower to get machinery on, fertilizer on, um, and get the crop planted. But it progressed into December January really strong with a with a great uh, increase in day degrees and temperature um allowing for yeah, some pretty record yields around the place and i'd imagine with the cotton price being pretty historically strong although it's come down a bit there'd be some you know it's a good time to have a bit big and good crop as well yeah no certainly there was a lot of forward selling of bales um at around the $700 mark into the 800 so yeah it was certainly a profitable year to grow cotton we we did have a slightly higher pest year than normal with um, two spotted and cotton mite pressure early on and um, as well as a lot of two foot E hormone drift but the cotton certainly bounced back and yeah we saw how stronger planted it really is. Good to hear and look, we all know we are you know hearing from the bomb that the El Nino is on its way and we're looking at a dry sort of spring summer period what do you think that would mean for the upcoming cotton season? Yeah, well, we, we're lucky. We, we do have a lot of bore water irrigated cotton in our region. So, um, so long as the allocations are there, we will still hope to get around the fifteen to 20,000 hectares um, of cotton service by our branch this upcoming season, which yeah, might be a little bit down on last year, but still still great numbers. Um, there's plenty of water in the, in the rivers and dam system. It just depends on the, um, on the allocations given to the different licenses that our irrigators have. Um, but yeah, looking looking like it's going to be a strong a strong cotton season again, um, and with with not a great deal of winter crop going in, there's plenty of country potentially set aside for dryland cotton as well. If if we get a late break, excellent. Well, we'll definitely be hoping for that, Nick. And look, mm. it's been great to hear from you today. Thanks so much for sharing the update about what's happening in your region, and we'll have our fingers crossed for you that the rest of the season holds out. No, that's great. Thank you, Olivia. Thanks. And now we'll jump over to the West and bring in Tom Shaw, Farm Service Support Agronomist for the Western Region. Welcome, Tom, to Commodity Conversations. Thank you very much. 
I'm giving you a pretty big task today, Tom, in representing the whole of WA, but I know you're on the road a lot and you're pretty well connected. And I think um, out on the sort of eastern wheat belt at the moment near near Corder, is that right? Yeah, yep. So I've just been looking at some trials um, north of Wild Catchem and I've just pulled up in town at Corder. Why don't we start um, going back to the start of the season, Tom? Can you give us a bit of a wrap as to how how it all began over in WA for the crop this year? Yep, yep. So we had a dry summer um, and then <clears throat> certain parts of the state, particularly um, through the eastern wheat belt and um, so the northern Great Southern, say through Narragin and Pingley and out to the lakes, probably got an early break to the season. Um, got some April rainfall and got some crop in the ground, especially canola about then. Um, and then for the rest of the state, so anywhere sort of north of Wongan Hills up up to Geraldton, um, and then anywhere along the south coast has, has had a later break. Um, so um, it was the first week of June for them when, when most of that first rain fell. So a bit of a, a later start. And, and how have things progressed since then, Tom? Yep. So um, June was a particularly wet month for a lot of the state. Um, and the season's probably on track for average potential for a lot of the state. So, so where a little bit of crop has gone in early, um, they're on track for another excellent season, um, following the two excellent ones that we've had. Um, and yeah, for those other areas that started a little bit later, um, we're, we're still on track for an average season. So, um, yeah, it's not looking too bad. Beautiful. So crops are fairly well established for this point of, of year, you think? Yeah, I, I think so. So, um, you know, cold conditions at this time of year mean that um, there's plenty of wheat that's um, at three and four leaf and, you know, isn't, isn't sort of flying along like you'd expect if um, you'd got it in in May. But um, I don't think there's any reason to panic at this point in time. Uh, good to hear. Good to hear. And as you were saying before, Tom, you work, you know, pretty closely with our agronomists. So that- there are there any new or growing trends that you've noticed particularly this year or whether it's, um, you know, crop mix or applications or technology? Uh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, so, I mean, we've certainly seen the uptake of a few new chemicals over the last few years. Um, products like Matino Complete for being able to control ryegrass in crop um, has been important. Um yeah, in terms of crop mix, um, there's a little bit less canola that's gone into the rotation this year. Um, that later break meant that people decided that they'd drop it out and put more paddocks either back into cereals or um, there's even a little bit more fallow this year than there's probably been in previous years. So, um, I mean, probably not a lot of really strong trends towards change, but... Um, you know, there's always a few new products that are creeping into our mix and, um, yeah, seasonal conditions dictate a little bit of a change in the in the crops that get planted. But um, by and large, um, things are pretty steady. Yeah, it's good to hear. And so you sort of said we've had the dry start, the really wet June. Looking ahead, what are we really sort of looking out for in terms of seasonal conditions? Are, are those real, you know, big... Um, finishing rains going to be critical to getting that average crop through? Yeah, well, they always are. Um, 
it certainly hasn't been the wettest of Julys, which is usually the most reliable month for rainfall. Although um, I don't think there's any crops that are, you know, really um, tonguing or, you know, we're at a problem or a pinch point at the moment. But um, yeah, uh, of course, a good finishing rain is going to be the key to a good season. So um, yeah, I, I think if we get average August, September um, rainfall, then we're going to be looking at average to above average yields again for a lot of the state. I think everyone will be pretty happy with that, Tom, but Thank you so much for for your time and coming on the podcast today and giving us a, a you know great overview of what's happening on the ground over in WA. No worries, thanks Olivia.